Uh, turn your Bible, if uh, you're new here, I'm going to make this easy to find. Turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. That should be pretty easy to find. And uh, let's bow our heads have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for principles that are giving, given in it. Pray that you'd lead and guide during this time. Holy Spirit, guide my mind. Help me to emphasize what I should leave out maybe or underemphasize things that should be that way. Give attention to the young people, the others, the adults. Help us to please you in our lives. Holy Spirit, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 1.1. I'm going to give you three principles here of uh, Scripture, uh, principles of our life, principles of life, then do a couple of lessons and a few applications out of that. So I'm going to move quickly. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Number one, you could put down as a principle here and uh, going to work towards separation, uh, but the topic of separation, God created the heaven and the earth, number one. Uh, first thing there that you want to, I mean, that's God made everything and uh, God created everything. Number two, and uh, right there staying in Genesis, if you want to follow along, uh, chapter one and uh, I left it, how did I do that? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 21 uh, says, And God created great whales and every living uh, creature that moveth, uh, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after their kind. And God saw that it was good. And then down to verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Verse 25, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Uh, point number two, you could jot down first part of point two, God created animals after their kind. Uh, again and again, we read that in there. God created animals after their kind. Genesis 1, verses 21, 24, and 25. Uh, also along in point number two, God created people in his image. Uh, it says God created man in his image. Obviously, it's talking about people in general because it says male and female created he them. And uh, so it's talking about people in general. God created people in the image of God. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God created people in his image. Uh, principle number three, uh, Christ redeemed us. He bought us. Uh, in other words, God, if you're a born-again Christian, God owns you. You and I as Christians belong to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And uh, I'm going to move quickly. I'm not going to wait for you to turn to all these, but you can jot down the references. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. Somebody said, in my life, I can do what I want. Not if you're a Christian, it's not. It belongs to God. 
You're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I belong to him. I don't belong to me. It's not my life to do with as I please. It's God's life. I'm supposed to obey him, do what he tells me to do. So, number one, God created everything. Number two, God created people in his image, animals after their kind, but people in the image of God. And uh, number three, as a Christian, I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. And uh, it's up to him then to set the rules. First lesson out of all this, I want to give you lesson number one. People are not just animals. You and I are created in the image of God. We're supposed to act like God. Animals are supposed to act like animals. You know, a bunch of, sometimes back in, when I was younger, they'd have hippie communes, everything. You know, guys and gals all just shacked up someplace together, messing around, trading around, living in all kinds of sin, immorality, debauchery. And people would say they're living like animals. That's the way animals live. They don't, you know, I mean, they're animals. You and I aren't supposed to be animals. We're, we're people. We're created in the image of God. We're supposed to act like God. Human life is different than animal life. We're not just that we're animals and dogs are animals and tigers are animals and worms are animals. Are worms animals? Are they, I don't know. Anyhow, they're living. They're created after their kind. You and I are created in the image of God. There's a basic difference in the nature of human life and the nature of animal life. It's not just that we're smarter animals, power, more powerful animals, more talented animals. We can walk upright our fingers and all that. Hey, we're people. There's an essential difference not just in the, the bigness of life or the you know, degree of life, but in the very nature of human life from animal life. That makes human life sacred. And I just toss out, for what it's worth, I may come back to some of that. Human life begins at conception. So it's wrong with abortion. That's why you wouldn't kill a baby after it comes out of the... I mean, it's a person. It's not a dog, a cat. A, it's a person created in the image of God that was given a never-dying soul at the moment of conception. And... Uh, Lesson number one, people are not just animals. And I believe in being kind to animals and treating them nicely and everything else, but they're not people. And uh, you certainly you shouldn't mistreat them. It's part of God's creation. You ought to be good. But they're animals. They're not people. You've got to choose between an animal life and a people life. People life are, is created, and the grammar, you know, the life of a person is created in the image of God. There's a difference there. Uh, lesson number two, uh, just out of those three big points, since God created us and purchased us, it's up to Him to set the rules for our life. A lot of times you'll hear preaching at youth conferences, church, other places, that'll say something like, young people, you've got to decide for yourselves what your standards are going to be. And that's not really right. You know, the way that exactly like that's worded isn't right. I know what they mean, but it's not up to, you know, God is the one who decides what's right and wrong. Since God created us and he purchased us, it's up to him to set the rules on how I should live. 
You don't decide for yourself what's right and wrong. God's already decided and written us a book telling us. You know, I mean, you come to Commonwealth Baptist College, we'll give you a handbook on, you know, right after you register. All the rules in there. Somebody doesn't sit there and say, you know, Brother Young, I'm I need to decide for myself what time I should get into the dorm at night. I'm thinking about coming in at 9.30, 10.30, 11.30. I've got to make up my mind what I think I should do. Well, look, the rule's already set, 10.30. Unless you're at work or have a pass. Not for you to decide what the rule's going to be. All you can decide is whether or not you're going to keep it or break it. And the same thing as a Christian living for God. God made me, He created me, He purchased me, I belong to Him. He's already decided the rules. All I can do is decide to keep them or break them. I think that makes sense. Same thing, you know, you go anywhere. Uh, I, can, I can drive 75 miles an hour down Versailles Road if I want to. And a policeman stops me and I say, well, officer, I, you understand, I've thought through this and I've decided for myself that 75 is reasonable on this road. And he's going to say, well, that's fine. You can tell that to the judge because the court, you know, the legislature already decided the speed limit is 50. I'm getting a ticket. If I'm 75 over 50, I'm getting a reckless driving ticket. I got big problems. You know, you go stand before God. You're going to say, well, God, I just thought it'd be okay. God says, man, that's why I wrote a book. You should study the Bible for yourself to see what God has already decided. And certainly, I think when people say you need to decide for, their, for yourself, what they mean is you ought to study the Bible and the Word of God enough to know what God has already decided. And you ought to find those principles for yourself in the Word of God. But it's not, you know, that's why we give you a handbook when you register for college. So you can read it and study it and say, yep, that's the rule. Sometimes somebody comes in and says, well, Brother Jorgensen, I didn't know that, and I just figured that'd be okay. And right? You know what I mean? If I get pulled over on Versailles Road driving 75, suppose I happen to stop right in front of the speed limit sign. And I say, well, officer, you know, I just, I just kind of thought, what's he going to do? That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be found guilty before God. That's why he gave the law. I got, I mean, I've got nothing else to say once he points me to the law. You know, we have a decision to make whether or not, you know, you ought to study the Word of God and you ought to follow it and you ought to get a hold of it and say, Okay, this is what the Bible teaches, and you ought to be able to find in the Word of God what I should do, what I shouldn't do, how I ought to live my life. You ought to be able to find those things for yourself. But, but you don't make a decision about what's right and what's wrong. You just decide to obey or disobey. Same with me. You know, somebody says, well, I just think it's okay to drink as long as you don't drink a little few beers as long as you don't get drunk. You know, by the way, if it takes you, what, six beers to get drunk and you drink one beer, you're one-sixth drunk, I guess. But anyhow, the Bible says it's wrong. 
Somebody says, well, I think a little bit of immorality and messing around before marriage is okay. The Bible says it's a sin. Somebody says, well, I think stealing a little bit be okay as long as I'm you know, doing it for a good purpose. The Bible says it's a sin. So I think gambling's okay. No, the Bible says it's wrong. Somebody says, well, I think I can dress however I want. And I'll go ahead and toss out. You know, it's up to us to you know, read the Word of God and study it. I'm going to promote my book a little bit back there. I wrote a book a couple years ago, Should I? Bible Answers to Questions of Personal Separation. Five bucks, you can buy it during the conference. You get them down to three bucks if you buy them in quantity. Say, Brother Jorgensen, you're trying to sell books. I'm trying to get the truth out. It's not copyrighted. Buy one, copy them off, pass them out. If you can do it for less than $3 each, God bless you. I'm not keeping any of the money from them. But I do want you, you, know, you say, well, where in the Bible does it say that? Buy the book. It'll tell you. I mean, again, I'm not keeping the money. Buy one, make a thousand copies, give them out to everybody here. I don't care. I'm just, it's not copyrighted. I'm not trying to make money, trying to get the truth out. And, uh, but, you know, where in the Bible does it say this is wrong, that's wrong? Where in the Bible does it say that men ought to have short hair? Where in the Bible does it say women shouldn't wear pants? Where in the Bible does it say that gambling is wrong? Where in the Bible? Get the book. It'll tell you all that. And, uh, or read and study the Bible long enough for yourself to find it. It's all in there. But uh, anyhow, I want to spend some time on, uh, and I'm doing okay on my time. I want to spend some time on homosexuality because it's just, it's an epidemic, it's sweeping our nation, and I don't know that necessarily anybody in here needs it, but I, on the other hand, I'd be shocked if somebody in here in a crowd of this side, if there's several somebodies aren't thinking or confused or wondering, what is this? This topic that you know a lot of people don't want to address, and I guess maybe being older you get to where it's easier for you to speak about it, or you just don't care anymore, but... Um, Oh, preacher. Anyhow, homosexuality is not a lifestyle, it's a sin. And I'm, I'm not trying to get a lot of amens here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach. And yeah, I, I, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture here. And I'd be glad for you to take notes and jot down references. Society says, basically, and what we're fed all the time, is that some guys are born being attracted to girls, and other guys are born being attracted to guys, and that's just how they are. And when you get to be 13, 15, 18, whatever, you got to figure out whether you're attracted to boys or attracted to girls. And some people are one way, and some people are the other. And society also tells us that all of that is okay, and it doesn't matter, and we need to be accepting, we shouldn't judge. I mean, that, that's what you hear all the time. There's not a bit of truth in that. Now, I mean, I, I love people. I want to see people saved. I, I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to be mean to people. But homosexuality is a sin, just like all that other stuff I mentioned earlier is a sin. If I preach against drunkenness, does that mean I don't love somebody that's been drunk? No, I mean, I want them to get saved and get right with God. But society says, you know, you just, you have to figure it out for yourself. Society, you know, 
some even uh, crazier, you know, well, are you a boy or a girl? Are you a boy in a girl's body or a girl in a boy? You know, it, it's just, it's stupid. Bible says in Genesis, we read earlier, 127, male and female created he them. It's all God made, Brother Fugit has said several times. Male and female, it's all he made. It's all there is. It's amazing to me. You can talk to somebody that's with child and, uh, you know, they get to, I don't remember, they didn't, back when we were having children, you had to wait and find out when they were born. But now at, I don't know, what is it, uh, three months, six months, something or other, they'll do the sonogram and they'll tell you you're going to have a boy or they'll tell you you're going to have a girl. Every time I hear that, I keep thinking, wait a minute, I'm confused. I thought you had to wait till you were 15 to figure out if you're a boy or a girl. I mean, is that what they say? How can they know before you're even born and then they forget by the time you're 15? Doesn't even make sense. But anyhow, God created male and female. Turn your Bible to Romans. We'll stay in there quite a bit. Chapter 1. I'm going to give you a lot, several references in addition to Romans. Romans chapter 1. So what does the Bible say about it? Again, what I think, what you think, really doesn't matter. God wrote the book. He created us. He owns us. It's up to us to decide to follow His Word. I flipped this upside down there. Oh, okay. I'm still doing okay. Romans chapter 1. And uh, starting in verse 25. Who changed? Uh, This is uh, people that uh, are not living for God. They've ignored the revelation of God. And these people have changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature, or the created thing, more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, because they were worshipping the creature instead of, you know, the sun, the moon, the cow, whatever. The creature, the created thing, more than the creator, because of that, for this cause, God gave them over to vile affections. For even their women, you know, to affections that were wicked, vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly or inappropriate, or not right, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat, which was appropriate. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, are not appropriate, uh, seemly, meat, Convenient, all have basically the idea of appropriate. Look up in your Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Uh, I mean, you couldn't have any more clear condemnation of homosexuality uh, and uh, men and with men, women with women than is given in those verses. I mean, it's as clear as it can be. Somebody, well, I mean, you can decide, you and I can decide to agree, to listen to God and agree with Him, or we can decide I don't agree with God. That's what God says. You're a boy, you're a boy. You're a girl, you're a girl. I mean, it's what it is. And, uh, you know, 
homosexuality, the Bible again and again, we'll see more, calls it an unnatural sin. A guy and a girl fall in love and they start dating and they wind up doing things they shouldn't do before they get married. It's wrong. It's a sin. But it's a natural sin. It's taking a God-given, a good God-given desire and using it in the wrong, at the wrong time. Should have waited. That desire is holy and good, but they should have waited until after they got married. But it's a natural desire. Homosexuality is an unnatural desire according to the Word of God. It's against nature. It's not, you know... Well, I was greedy, I really wanted it, I really wanted it, so I stole it. Well, that's a natural desire. It's a sin, but it's the result of a natural desire. Homosexuality in the Word of God again and again is called against nature. It's an unnatural desire. And you read that here in Romans. uh, Anyhow, verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them, a, oh, I read that earlier, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters. Uh, verse 31, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. There it is again. It's talking about homosexuality, men with men, women with women. Doing that which is not appropriate. It's against nature. Who knowing the judgment of God on they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I mean, 40, 50 years ago, you had homosexuals, I guess. I mean, I never saw one, never heard of one 50 years ago. But I guess they existed. But they kept it quiet and didn't talk about it. Now they not only do it, they have parades to announce it. They have pleasure in them that do them. It's just wrong. Somebody said, well, is that the only place that it is in the Bible? And uh, in the interest of time here, uh, jot down Leviticus 20.13, Leviticus 18.22. Both places God calls it an abomination. So is that really what it says? Yeah. Look Again, I just don't have time to get into it. Leviticus 20.13, Leviticus 18.22. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 17, says there should not be a sodomite among the sons of Israel. In other words, basically, if you've got a sodomite in there, kick him out. 1 Kings 4, verse 24 talks about the sodomites who did according to all the abominations of the uh, abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel so the sodomites were doing an abomination 1 Kings chapter 14 verse 24 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 12 talks again about removing the idols and removing the sodomites hooked together there it's just wrong again you say, well, it's just a couple verses here or there. If it's only a couple verses, it still says it. But it isn't just a couple of verses. It's all through the Bible. It starts in Genesis and Leviticus and Kings and Deuteronomy. We've read already. 2 Timothy 3.3 3 talks about being without natural affection. 1 Timothy 1.10 
Now, you hope you're getting the references, 2 Timothy 3, 3, without natural affection. Again, not many people write, talk, preach about it. But somebody is, it's not right. Don't let somebody try and convince you, well, you know, you're 16 and you don't really have a girlfriend yet and you're really not even looking for one. Well, maybe you're baloney. First Timothy 1.10 says the law is made for the wicked, including whoremongers. Whoremongers would be men with women and for those that defile themselves with mankind, homosexuals. It's, it's a sin. Second uh, Timothy, I read that one already. They say this, many homosexuals, I think, believe that they're trapped, that they've been born with some homosexual bent, and they're doomed to that condition. That's not Bible either. Look, God hates it. God hates it enough to destroy cities and nations engaging in it. In the Old Testament, it is viewed as an abhorrent act and a capital crime punishable by death. In the New Testament, Paul says in Roman that God, Romans that God gives up on people engaging in it. It's an unnatural relationship contrary to the plan of God for the human race and destructive towards the home, the family, and the basic unit of society. But turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, uh, we were over there a minute ago. Uh, verses, go ahead and turn over to that one. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10. We read 19 and 20 earlier. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That's a hint at homosexuality. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's clearly homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 9, it condemns homosexuality along with a whole lot of other things in verses 9 and 10. But verse 11 says, and such were some of you. According to the Bible, it's a sin. I can get rid of that sin like I can get rid of any other sin. You, somebody, I mean, you're not trapped there. It's a sin that should be confessed and forsaken like any other sin. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And uh, anyhow, you're not, it can be forgiven. God can use you still. And again, I, I, I don't know who all's here. I imagine, again, a crowd this size, somebody at 16 or whatever came to you, some of you, and said, well, you know, you're really not interested in boys. You're really not interested in girls. You don't have a boyfriend yet. You don't have a girlfriend yet. Maybe you ought to, maybe you ought to think maybe God made you di- God didn't make you different. You're a man or a woman. That's all he made. Want to live for God. Again, you can just say, well, I... It, God has decided what's right and wrong. All you and I can do is decide whether or not we're going to follow the rules he set down. 